Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of the Parents and Professors Podcast. Here's a quick overview of the episode. This time we talk about another Black History Month, the value of Black education, and our identities as Black parents. And as a reminder, any fictional or hypothetical persons, places, or things mentioned in this episode that may bear resemblance to actual persons, places, or things is completely coincidental. Enjoy the show. It's like that when you wait. What's it like? It's like ah ah, and you you're like prepping for the you know or um. Yeah, oh gosh. she was trying to start recording. We, she was swishing water around like she was I a, a mouthwash commercial. Hydrating. I was like, oh, Listerine. Well, I don't delightful. Dihydrate while we're recording. It's like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's important. You know, you got to take care of your, your instrument. Your yeah, voice. so then she accuses herself of doing runs. I was prepping, is what I was saying. I said I was prepping in preparation yeah, a, for... Accusation I was not going to let you take on. <laughs> Whatever. I got your back. Don't uh, be no, a heater. That'll never stick. <laughs> anyway, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Black History Month, so we're about to show out. All black everything. In fact, I have a... It actually says... All Black Everything, I think, is the title of my playlist. Hey, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Fire up that D-Smoke. Yes, D-Smoke. Everything Black. But was it Black Habits? Yeah, Black Habits. And then the ASAP. Wait, there's so many ASAPs. Who's it? No. Ferg. Ferg? I mean, Ferg, to me, is the rawest of the ASAPs. Then I th- I believe that's the one. That's the ASAP. Put in work. Why is ASAP such a popular... It's just the whole crew. They just took it. It's like when you get married and somebody takes your last name. Oh, is it It's like how you identify of members of your crew. Are they like the St. Lunatics? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, I can't no. believe that you just lowered them to St. Saint... Lunatics. No, I, that's not what that's I was saying. Dis- <laughs> that's regional disrespect. That's She's not... been living in Missouri for a minute. <laughs> She just compared a New Hold York-based up. rap group That's to the St. Lunatics. I wasn't saying, like, they are, like, the St. Lunatics. I just meant as in they were a unit. I yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. aware. Yeah, the ASAP is, like, the gang name. Yeah. I'm not hipping with it, so yeah. <laughs> that is news to me. Thank yeah. you. I learned ASAP something new today. ASAP Rocky. Is that, like, a Black History Month fact? It can be. They're making Black History. ASAP Rocky has already made Black History as the biggest come-up ever. How so? That's Rihanna's husband. What's wrong with being Rihanna's husband? It's Rihanna's baby daddy. He oh, his net worth substantially. It's just, and do you think he'll get alimony? Gotcha. Is it alimony? Oh, it's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> he has a case. Yeah. And Rihanna's up a B. For I those of us mad. in the aspiring house husbands club. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you told me you were going to be a college president. Listen, there are other ways for me to. Even as your non-married bestie, you can retire <laughs> me still. I'm still the father of your kids. There's, there's nothing wrong with I that. I can leave you as a, was yeah. it a beneficiary. Yeah, exactly. so, no, that does, no, because that means you want me to parent them by myself. <laughs> you got to be here. I want the money while you're alive. I want to enjoy spending it together. You know what I mean? Do you know what I saw? What did you see? So I think it was, okay, sometimes the shade room pops into my feed. Oh, no. I try not to engage. So I was like, to was get this when you're on the Nicki Minaj run? Less of it? No. <laughs> was, I think it was today. And uh, what's his face? He used to be a house husband of Hollywood, I think. With Dwayne Martin? Yes. Yeah, shake. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently. That's the best slept on show ever. It 
<laughs> so you, good. Yeah, if you haven't seen Real Housewives, Kevin Hart and them were oh. acting a fool. That's probably my favorite Kevin Hart thing. That was a high quality product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Cannon was on there. The fact that they had Boris Kojo in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Boris Kojo was one of, oh. one of the house husbands. High quality. Anyway, so he is now engaged. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder why it's on the shade room and what the comments are going to look like. And they did not disappoint. Because it was just like, first of all, they were like, didn't Cat Williams tell us about this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, don't do her like that. Why? Why? Yeah, she kind of looks similar to several other female spouse individuals. And then I was like, does this mean we're going to see him in like movies and TV shows again? Like, where, where is this going? And then the other thing that made me giggle, speaking of alimony, they were like, wait a minute. Didn't he make Tisha Campbell go bankrupt because he had no money or was using up all her money and like she has to pay him support, basically? And so he's like, how you afford a ring? Like, who's... Money? Did you use her money to buy your new girlfriend a ring? That's wild. Pimping ain't easy <laughs> for him. And so I just got lost. <laughs> it was delightful. Did not disappoint. I'm not gonna link to it because it's a shade room, but y'all could go and find it. I will not support the slandering <laughs> of responsible black men. It's or but, irresponsible. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> we got enough bullets coming this way. <laughs> And we also got to worry about who's going to be president. I, oh, so, uh, uh, no, no, we're uh, not going to do that either. No, this is not that's not professors this, in politics. In fact, because this is, again, it's Black History Month. We're here to support all things. Not Darth Cheeto. <laughs> I was going to say black, like Issa. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got to say it in the affirmative way. I don't want to have a deficit perspective. <laughs> I want to contribute to the blackening. It is. In fact, so one of the things right we were mentioning before today was we had the kids do interviews of family members who had attended HBCUs. So that's one of their activities for this month's Jack and Jill event. Shout out to Jack and Jill, one of our focus areas for the year is HBCU exploration. And given our current socio-political climate and the status of higher education right now, I love that because I think more of our kids and more of us need to be supporting our institutions to do this kind of work. I think it's really important. And, ooh, shameless plug. <laughs> About to have a book drop. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Create new possibilities for HBCUs through research. Ooh! Tell us more, Michael. I will not. But <laughs> y'all should be on the lookout because HBCUs do need our support. And I think one of the things that has crossed my mind on a regular basis is like what are the pathways to the professoriate and HBCUs for more people right um, if you look at the breakdown I mean the black professoriate is relatively small Very but small. I think a lot of people have the misinformation that the faculties at HBCUs are primarily black they're often not and so like ways to contribute support uplift and create spaces so that HBCUs can be bastions of blackness and black excellence right like a and they already and I mean yeah, and, and they and already yes, do do that work, right? Make real contributions, you like know, statistically significant. Yes, <laughs> like don't I don't want to get this wrong, but I feel like one of the things is that HBCUs graduate more like graduate professionals. Yeah, doctors, lawyers, yeah. professors. Yeah, more people get graduate and professional degrees with HBCUs as their baccalaureate granting institutions than predominantly white institutions. So that says a lot, right? Like yeah. we're doing something right, we're doing something well, and I I think again making sure that. You know, there are spaces that are safe for us and our children and to be able to be in an, and right, not to say that HBCUs are perfect, but to be in an environment where you can feel supported, where you can go and be amongst people who 
understand a significant part of your identity and struggle and what it's like to go into the space in this world that's very anti-black. You know, it was interesting having the kids talk to Megan Sophia because that's not our educational experience. Shout out cousin Megan. Shout out Auntie Sophia. <laughs> but I think it was really cool to be able to have them talk to the kids about, you know, this is why I went there and this is what I got from it and here's why you know, it was important for me to have this experience, but also like, oh, what wasn't so great, right? Like it wasn't just a one-sided perspective. And I think for our kids to know that this is an opportunity or this is an option for them, right? Like something that they can do and choose to do when they get to that point, I think is really important. Selfishly, I want to go to a dope homecoming. What's your favorite HBCU? Oh, I mean, that's easy. Is it? Howard University. Oh, you just disrespected Auntie Sophia immediately. No, nah, yeah. nah, I, I mean, it's all love, it. but... It's just Howard Homecoming. You was like, oh, I caught some First of all, down there. Yeah, I mean. that was <laughs> such a... In fact, yeah, that was such an important, pivotal moment in my identity and development. Oh, that's why you wanted to be a sorority, right? Yeah, it's why I wanted to join a sorority. It's how I found AKA. At that point in my life, it was also, I think, my first real exposure to what it looks like to be surrounded by other black educated folks and professionals and, you know, doctors and lawyers and not just these one-off spot people who are sort of in my family and in my life, which is, it's different. It's not the same. Yeah, it's different. It's different when we gather. Yes. I remember being so overwhelmed, but with like positive emotion, like, oh my God, like look at all these people and like seeing the Qs are on one side and Delta's on the other and the AKs are together and like everyone's kind of like mixing and mingling, like doing strolls. It was just so, like even now I'm feeling uplifted just thinking You're about- like, ooh, I want to do that. That moment, yeah. And that's real. And I, I think also in my Black identity development, because I grew up in an environment and a space where I think two things, one- Right, that distancing from blackness. So as a child of immigrants, mm -hmm. being told and thinking like, oh, well, you're not black, you're Haitian, or you're Haitian American, right? Like that's different. And also being able to witness the fact that like, there are lots of different kinds of black and we don't all have the same experience and we don't all look the same or think the same or grow up in the same environments. But when we do come together, like this can be a really positive thing. Yeah, I think that immigrant identity and anti-blackness are interestingly intertwined. But that's a... I feel like that's all different. Yeah, that's a completely different conversation. So I'm interested, since we're like talking about blackity black blackness on Black History Month. Black. Everything black, black, black. I'm interested in what are the contributions of black historical figures or black thinkers on the way that you try to show up as a parent and as a professor? Oh, jeez. Pulling out the big guns. I was ready. Oh, were you? So how would you think about this? Because no, 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 I'm not no. ready. I wasn't ready to answer. I was ready to ask it. <laughs> Wait, let me think, let me think, let me think. You know, I think it's interesting in how we choose figures when we're younger and how that expands as we get older. Oh, so it's changed. Yeah, well, for sure. I remember, first of all, one of my, oh, that's, I don't know if it's changed, but it's expanded. I think it's become more complex. So, like, I remember for the longest time I was obsessed with Shirley Chisholm, for example, right? Mm. Like, and so as a black woman who, right, the idea that she even, like, then thought about aspiring to the highest office in the land is, first of all, nuts. Like, that is so mind-blowing. You gotta be delusional. Right? Like, in the face <laughs> of what y'all were going yeah, through? I think the greats are, though. Like, it's a... 
there's a certain like powerful delusion that the greats have like they have to believe the right thing you can do more or i think belief that you can do more but also knowing that i may not get there i won't be there to see the results of this but the work is still important and so you know when i think about like for and then it was like my angelou because she was a writer and i was a reader and so I was just like, I was like, reading all of the things she was, you know, I remember like, I don't know that I should have read it when I did, but you know why the cage bird sings was really developmental for me as well. Just thinking about black womanhood and growth and development. Now, when I think about black women, I think about folks in my personal and professional space. So that can be like folks in the Jack and Jill chapter, right? Like there's some moms who I adore and look up to because they bring calm and peace and oh you talking about larita you do it <laughs> <laughs> larita has the spirit of a goddess but like a goddess of maternity and love yeah and kindness like just when you feel like yeah, she like, comes I was like, in i'm like like those are real hugs yeah like hugs that like actually remove negative energy from you and i don't even like hugging people like that <laughs> oh yeah yeah some people you just gotta get a hug from my nigga. like it is what it is but yeah like when people got that energy where it's like man my day really has sincerely improved because i just saw you yeah that means a lot you know i think professionally you know like my coworkers who i'm like developing relationships with now and like seeing how they navigate this space right i i feel like these are people that i can look up to these are people that i can go to i was having like a terrible project situation and I maybe I don't even know if I've been there a year yet. And I just called one of them up and was like, can I talk to you? And she's like, of course. And then I immediately started crying. I would never do that with, ju- first of all, with most people, right? Mm-hmm. But that they welcomed me and created this sense of like safety and security and to know that like I can lean on them. Safety. Yeah, like those things matter. And so I think the way that I, th- I look up to or think about role models for black womanhood are much closer because there are people who are doing the work that i know as opposed to when you're younger it's like you know adults it looks a little bit different there's a little bit more distance i think Mm. how would you think about that i've always been kind of conflicted because i feel very down the middle around people that i looked up to you know so in the traditional booker t washington versus wb du bois (laughs) i'd be like they both had good points (laughs) they're Good people on both sides. Yeah, like you try to do like Malcolm and Martin. I'm like, yeah, both and. (laughs) Yes, both. Yeah, and so the only like non-controversial historical figure that kind of crossed my mind on a regular basis is Nelson Mandela. Oh. And like part of it is also because we're birthday twins. Mm, Didn't know that. Had to let y'all know. Parents of Professors podcast. I was born in a day for great black men. But yeah, me and Nelson Mandela share a birthday. But I've always found the era of intellect and intelligence and power and integrity Mm. you know like i think intellect and intelligence are different things and so like when i think about intellect i feel like you can kind of see it like and there's something about the way that it like the way that people wear that and i just always found everything that he did and everything that he stood for so powerful and would hope that nobody would have to make the type of sacrifices that he made to have the type of impact that he had and so that story is important to me to transmit. And I'm realizing even as we're like kind of recording this that like, yeah, I, I want my son to learn about Nelson Mandela. Mm. And because we already give him plenty of Martin and plenty of Malcolm and plenty of. <laughs> yeah, that's the. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to go on this tangent. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, and 
even if it means we're supplementing other curricula. Right. Yeah. But we, we but hope. that's our but that's our obligation. And so if we For think sure. about if you think about the responsibility of black parents in Black History Month, it's to make sure that our history is getting in front of them. Like to make sure that they can relate to and really connect to how important that history not only is but remains in right. the face of a society that's trying to erase it. Right. And like this idea that um <laughs> Well, I think we've gone past that, right? Like, I don't think anyone's like, it's a post-racial society. Like, that little fad is over. And I think in the face of so many people wanting to steal that from not just our children, but I think children in general, makes that even more important, right? Because at this point, there are schools and districts and places where they're like, no, you can't even teach black history. Not even MLK, who's their favorite person to trot out to be like... Because he believed in, I don't know, however they try to bastardize it. Yeah, like, it's like... No, that's, that's actually not what he was saying at all. <laughs> like, not even a little bit. So, you know, I definitely agree in the value of, you know, like knowing where we came from and why it's so important for us to continue to do that work, right? Like, it didn't end with the passing of the Civil Rights Act. And in yeah. fact, they would undo that if they could. So, like, it's a... You think they're not working on it? Oh, of course they are. Oh, in fact, it's a part of their uh, 2025 presidential transition plan. Be like, restore the underclass. <laughs> That's their new chant. Bring back slavery. Chattel, 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 chattel. I can see them taking up yeah. that chant at a freaking rally. Yeah, they, as long as they give me credit. I'm trademarking don't, that shit. Don't give them any ideas. Nah, you gotta do what you gotta do. I want, if I see that on Netflix, I want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's investigative journalists deeply oh embedded goodness. in MAGA country yeah. oh. like, I can't wait till all these docs start hitting like five six years from now some, some of them happen in real time what's that guy's name again I am so tickled by him is he on the daily show is it Jordan Kelper Klepper hmm. his job is literally just going to these things and asking people questions like very straightforward questions like they're not you know and so he was at one and he mentioned you know, he's talking to this guy and he's like, well, you know, somehow like Hunter Biden was like, he's going off. And he's like, yeah, it's not right. And I think Congress should hold him accountable because he had a child who was like trying to take money and they both benefited from that. And that's totally wrong. And so he goes, yeah, you know, like when Saudi Arabia like gave money to kids of a president, we should totally hold them accountable and hold the president accountable. And he was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, so you think Ivanka and whatever the other one's name is should be held accountable. And he's like, no. And I'm just like, whoo, that was wild to watch. Yeah. And he's like, wait, but you just said, he's like, well, yes, but not for Trump. And it's like, okay, so we should apply these rules to one president, but not another president. And he was like, yes. I don't even know if that's delusion. No, nah, they're saying the inside part out loud. It is. It's, it's like, no, like... It's, it's double standard personified. <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know that double standard captures, like. I mean, but if you think about, like, there are ways in which double standards have their use. And so, like, I see women weaponize double standards regularly. How so? Like, I shouldn't have to pick that up. I mean. You're bigger than me. You are bigger than me. You're stronger than me. This is factually true. Yeah, I mean, right? Like, there's some, like, the (laughs) expectation that that door gets opened and that that jacket gets thrown over them shoulders. Or over that You have puddle. more body heat than I do. Yeah, exactly. See, like, uh, yeah, there's some comfort in double standards. Yeah, but those double standards are not, like, depriving other people of, like, life and liberty and the pursuit of justice. I mean, this important, but double standards <laughs> add up, fam. 
I'm not like infringing yeah. on <laughs> your I mean, I like, feel like constitutional rights. Unfortunately, that's what the law is. It's a documented double standard. We know that the legal system is broken. There, there are different legal systems depending on the color of your skin, yeah. the amount of money your parents make. Yeah, yeah. It really is just. It's interesting to watch, and I think I'm finally getting to the point where I'm recognizing, like, okay. Like, we're just in a period of time where there's just going to be a lot of hot garbage, and we just got to work through it. Because we didn't get to where we are by people just kind of sitting and watching, right? Everybody got to work. has to work, right? It included black people and allies, right? Like, white people and Jewish people and Asian people and Hispanic people. I think, you know, when we look at Black History Month, it's really interesting this year to observe and i feel like there's way less commercialism than i feel like there usually is really yeah it's really interesting i don't know if it's also because it's falling during a time where anti-dei is Mm -hmm. basically the law of the land at this point oh yeah where you know corporations are firing all their black people and they're like yeah we're not doing that or we're gonna do it but we're just not gonna say we're doing it we're gonna call it something else and like all the targets and things that would make this meaningful. We're just going to take those out, but say we're still doing it. You already know how I feel about that. I just... So yeah, I think this Black History Month is a, a really... Is it a referendum on Black History Months? Hmm. I think it's a reminder. Ooh, different R word. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, like, the work isn't done. And, you know, it can be as important as federal elections and thinking about who is in power and what they stand for or don't stand for down to oh <laughs> sorry wow, that was the evilest laugh hold on this, i'm glad y'all got to hear that oh my god so speaking of language, right there was a, a tiktok an instagram video whatever you know a reel or something of a black woman for sally's beauty y'all know sally's where they don't sell our products anymore because why and she had a a flat iron like a, a steam flat iron and I need y'all to imagine a tight 4C fro that's not combed out. Like I just woke up and it's just a little fro ball. Macaria. Macaria. Gail. And she loves her fro. And I love that for her. Now imagine taking your dry, crunchy, unmoisturized, just raw dog 4C hair and then halfway passing, <laughs> looking straighter through it. And then being like, oh my God, it's so straight. And Nick's like, hold up. First of all, that's not how you do that. <laughs> And then she like straightened it and it was like sticking out like out the side of her head. And look, it looked a hot mess. She did like one on the side and one on the back. And then she's like, hey, you could curl it. It's kind of like how Travis Kelsey invented invented the fade. fade. It was wild. It Uh was wild. So people like, yo, Sally's, y'all really, this was garbage. Don't. They took it down. But people were like, don't be mad at Sally's because she did the video. And we're like, you know what? Sis, you knew you was wrong. Because never, at, we don't have that hair where you could just be like, hey, I'm going to do a video, guys. I'm doing an unboxing. And like, oh my God, it's so, sh- no, no. Sit, listen, we all know, right? The four C cuties, you got to. You got to stay in your lane. Wash. You got shampoo condition. You got to detangle. What's that? Uh, porosity. You want to do a, be- <laughs> you, you got to do a, at least a soft blow dry just to get. It in a space where you can then get the flat iron and do the work. She, raw dog, Michael. You can hear this crack sizzle pop of her hair. It was just so painful to watch. Rice Krispie Treats. <laughs> like, listen, we know you don't care about our money. Fine. Don't give us this garbage bullshit during Black First, right? Again, during... Oh, did, did they wait until the first day of Black they History Month? they waited until fucking Black History Month to feature... And then people were like, y'all just hate 4C hair. And all the 4Cs were like... 
No, ma'am. I love my hair. That's why I would never do the shit that she just did in this fucking video. Mm. Like y'all are. Wait, was that you, or were you quoting somebody that I was you read? Just, you know, I'm a lurker. Yeah, I just you're be like, like, I'm also shit. a client. <laughs> I just be liking shit. Like, mm. <laughs> that sounds like my inner monologue in somebody else's tweet. Like, <laughs> it's so like. All this to say that the commercialism of Black History Month is like, if you're not going to actually put in effort, just don't do it. Just don't do it. We were okay. You were okay with us just not talking to each other. Just don't do it. If you're not going to be like Sprite and get you a Grant Hill, don't do it. <laughs> I fucking love Sprite. Yeah. I only drink Sprite because feel like he, Grant Hill drinks Sprite. <laughs> he played like four professional games after that commercial. That nigga was injured all the time. It didn't matter. He's like, yo, Grant Hill drinks Sprite. I need to get me a Sprite. <laughs> I feel like Grant Hill, strangely, is, like, one of the people with the best reputation that did least, like, ever. That's great. Which is crazy, because it just shows you that, like, being a high-integrity person does get you a long way. It matters. Because, like, his career, the ceiling that was expected far exceeded what actually happened. But he's still, like, working in the NBA. He's still a spokesman for all kinds of stuff. I like Grant and Hill. And he just, yeah. yeah. He's, he's he, right? People's like, no, like, oh, who doesn't like Grant like, Hill? He's so, like, non-controversial very <laughs> which is beautiful but like he's not a role model that would get any credit mm. so like we were talking about like role models and yeah you know, story i was like man how far down the list would you get before you got to grand hill pretty far yeah and like does he deserve that because he's a great upstanding you're right stays out of trouble you're just right. does his thing loves his family so who else doesn't get enough credit oh that list is probably way too long i'm trying to think because because i I mean, I was kind of making the point before, like all the stuff that I think is the best about me as like a father and a partner, like I'm supposed to do. Mm, right. Uh, like, you can't get credit oh, for like, doing yeah, like, your you job. Get, you get credit <laughs> for stuff you're supposed to do. <laughs> was that Cat Williams yeah, too? I mean, but that feels like, I feel like that unfortunately or fortunately is the standard for like men. At least I feel like that about straight men. I would be interested to see if fathers that don't identify as heterosexual have like a different perception around how oh, that's they, interesting how they engage yeah. or not well, because like even the like i watch like women all the time like oh you're such a great mom i was like i'm trying to think of the number of times another man that has kids has called me a great dad like i would be hard pressed no so i think that's interesting right so how we relate to each other and in this you know against black history Month, so we're talking about black people how we relate to one another I think is is different than maybe what we get externally because I feel like externally, you know, like, oh, all this will happen all the time. In fact, it's, I'm sure it still does. If you're out with the kids, people are like, oh my God, you're an amazing dad. If I'm out with the kids, I'm just out with the kids. Like, nobody gives a fuck. Broodmare. You're not, yeah. Like, <laughs> and if anything, they're like, oh my God, she has three kids. Or, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah. at the library and it's like, oh, she has three kids. Like, hmm. And no ring on my finger. So, like, mm. all the things that I get as a, mom out with our kids is very different than but what you, you also, get. But you also, you're, I mean, we know you big 40, the squad knows. Hey, hey. But like, you also look like you're like 23. Oh, and I'm so a, people have questions. Body teen mom. They're like, yo, like, yo, how is this boy taller than her? <laughs> and she's clearly the mom. At least she's the one that got out of the driver's seat of the van. True. I mean, you know. Yeah, so I'll you're probably just, you're offending other sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> No team moms over here. That's fair. That is fair. I guess I just, I wonder if more of the conversation for... But like, I think even your example is telling to me. Because you're giving an example of like somebody getting credit for something that they don't really deserve all that credit for. Right? Like, I think that that's kind of like the underlying thought where, okay, well, 
you know, you're kind of doing what you're supposed to do. Why are people celebrating the fact that you're out with your kids? Right. Like you should yeah. be out there, your kids. But I think that that mentality kind of extends to everything you do as a father. Like there's not a whole lot of congratulations or celebration. It's just kind of, and then like Father's Day is cool. But like on a daily basis, people are seldom going to comment on you being a good dad. Whereas that's much more common with mothers. Like there's much more like verbal reinforcement. You mean in like interpersonal relationships? Because I don't, I don't think I agree. I think interpersonal relationships. I think even like even if you're doom scrolling about parenting, I think there's like more mother related posts of oh. people that you can relate to and that you can kind of kind of see. So I think that's interesting because I, you know, having access to the internet and social media as a parent now, and I think this is something we've talked about before, is. One, I think, super duper helpful because it helps normalize a lot of the wall shit that yeah, these little people like, do. Yo, if I didn't have Instagram to see that other people's toddlers do exactly that with the their diapers. Same yeah. thing. And it was like, oh, I could have made this real. The things that I've Googled and been like, oh, there's already threads about this. Yeah. This very random, very specific, very wild thing that my kid just did. It's like, oh. I'm glad that I have access to the internet to one, deal with it, know that my kid is not a psycho, or maybe they're just all psychos. And like three, right, that normalizing and affirming space. And so I wonder if part of it is that they're just more women who are influencers, right? Who have Instagram and TikTok things. Cause I follow moms and dads on social media. I think women have been socialized to take parenting more seriously, but I also am in a generation of fathers that Especially the black fathers that I know, and especially those of us, like, I think the ones that grew up with a father are great, but the ones that grew up without a father are very intentional about, like... Fathering. Yeah, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be, like, present and available in my kids' lives. Yeah, and I just, I don't feel like I hear it and see it celebrated enough. And so it's not dissimilar from the question that you asked earlier, like, who else needs more credit? Like, who else (laughs) needs to be celebrated? Like, it's a real thing. And, like, I would love to figure out ways to celebrate like black fatherhood well statistically (laughs) black dads are right the most involved of all groups of dads yeah but you wouldn't think that the media and (laughs) because racism and the fact that too many people are anti-facts and anti-evidence but right the facts remains that it's true and so i guess i just i wonder if part of that issue is outside of our spaces right so like you know all the dad things like the fit dad and who's the one who's like my kids are fucking assholes i love them but they're assholes you know his son has like adhd and like Uh, dad and buried yes dad and buried right so there are all these we got a link to those yes we will you know and I, i think that they certainly normalize fatherhood and make it more visible right that it's not in whatever the relationship situation might be right it's not just moms taking care of kids right dads are active and involved And I think generationally, we also know that, right? Like, we are more engaged and involved and in tune with our kids than our parents were with us. And so is there, I guess I wonder if it's still true that, like, dads aren't being recognized. Because I I feel like we're all trying to do a better job at this. I think that it's reasonable for people who've occupied a privileged position to not necessarily get a whole lot of recognition for doing the things that should have been being done all along. But it's just something I notice. So when you think about, you know, again, centering blackness and black identity, and you think about our work, our research, the things that we focus on, and also what it means to be a black parent, 
right, in this in this day and age, are there things that you feel like you could or should do more of? Oh, yeah. Just I think that there are a lot of opportunities to sit at blackness that I don't take advantage of. And I'm actually like pleasantly surprised. So like Peacock and a bunch of the streaming apps have like these whole black history channels and like all these things that are available. And I probably do the best job of attempting to transmit culture to my children, like cultural touchstones that are part of me and my generation and like kind of what I came through. I feel like I do that best through music. Um, so mm-hmm. they're exposed to a lot of the music that I like and they, you know, they can pick out artists that they like too. And we vibe around that. But I think that there are so many other forms of art and contribution. And so like black TV shows, black movies, black art exhibits, we black went to live the... musical performances, yeah. you know, like you got, like you guys went to Beyonce, me and the boy went to Janelle Monet. We went to the jazz museum in KC. Yeah. Like that, those are the type of things that I think I want to do more of and more, like I want to be more intentional, like, oh, let's do something like that every month, you know, yeah. um, like something that needs to be like written out and put onto the calendar. Because it's too important for there to be extended lapses between the reminders that black is beautiful and black is excellent and it can and should be something that you're excited to embrace as a really important part of your identity. And so, yeah, I want to do that with more intention and more frequency, you know, like continue the the depth and the exposure and remind them that that's the tradition and history that they come from so they can do anything. So I guess I'm wondering... We have Jack and Jill, for example, and both you and I are in Black Greek letter organizations, first and the finest. Do you feel like that's enough? Do you feel like there's, you know, because I I feel like our kids are very aware and in tune with their blackness. I feel like they can talk about their black identity. I feel like they embrace and value and love who they are as, you know, black kids. So I, I guess I feel like I don't know that there's anything missing per se right like i think they have a really healthy sense of black identity yeah i wouldn't say it's missing i just think it can be centered more regardless so i don't i was having this conversation at training that we were doing recently and so one of the scenarios that they talked about was a person being the only one right so most black professionals that have risen yes. to a certain level know what it's like to be the only in some room way shape form all the time staff yeah and so, you know, the scenario is talking about this person being the only and how that like contributed to degradation of like mental and emotional health and mm. da, 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 da. And I can get with it to a certain extent because I know people who like feel like they're starved for air if they don't interact with black people. And I think that those people rightfully live in cities and, like, <laughs> and have and, access to other black and near relatives. And, you yeah. know, but I don't know if it's because I'm a military brat. I don't know if it's what, but I've never felt that. Like, I've never felt so alone in my blackness like pretty much until recently because there are certain situations that i enter into professionally where i'm like oh wow there's really nobody else in here that has any insight into how i'm feeling and if i weren't here what would this be and if i weren't here exactly what would and if i weren't here to introduce this and so I've never seen that as a burden. I've always seen it as an opportunity. And so like people who suffer from racial battle fatigue, like I get it, but that's just not really my experience because I want to tell the next person and the next person and the next person, I will treat you all like you've never met a black person before because I believe that's probably the case. And like the, my sense of fatigue doesn't come from having to educate people without my identity. My sense of fatigue comes from the people that I think should get it that uh. do share identities who yeah. 
through whatever excuses they're making based on trauma or whatever aren't doing what they need to be doing. So we keep having to have the same conversations over and over and over again. All skin folk and kin folk. Yeah. And so. (laughs) So so do you think you're because you, you just mentioned, you know, until recently, how much do you think your network and support circles outside of your professional space contributed to you being able to do that work right so you just said oh people who live in cities or have family or whatever I think we've been really fortunate in the spaces that we've lived in and occupied again until recently we've had that right like we've had a black community a tight-knit one right like that wasn't just yeah but like so when you I think there's a difference between healthy environments and unhealthy environments okay and so in the previous places that we were in None of the black people there felt trapped. It was a choice. Yeah, it's like, I want to be here. Yeah. Like, this, like, I feel like there's a... So the phrase, like, crabs in a barrel mm. conjures an image. And so to me, I feel like Columbia feels like a barrel for black people. <laughs> like, and there's... Whether they've created it or past competition and experiences have created it, there's, like, this sense that you can only be so cool. You can only be so connected. It is a really interesting space particularly when we've been in college towns before yeah and so we it doesn't have to necessarily be like this and i wonder how much of it is residual from the history of the black community in columbia specifically right and so you know like many other places where black people built their own stuff and then a certain other group of people came along and said we don't like that you have your own things and we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that you don't have your own things and that you don't have nice things. And if you're continuously stuck in that cycle, I can see how we get to a place where Columbia looks the way it does. Yeah, but don't let that trauma stop you from supporting people who really have the energy. No, but I think it it does help to... It's one factor, right, among many, that I think can help to explain some of the differences that we see in these spaces. You know, in fact, I feel like... Urbana was way more isolated than... Shambana was physically more isolated, but the black community was just better. So dope. We love and miss you guys so much. Yeah, it was just better. There's more connection. There's more intention. There's right. more desire to be in each other's presence that was enacted. Right. It wasn't just talked yeah. about or mentioned. There's a lot of people who talk about it here. Like, oh, sorry, I'm in St. Louis. Well, I mean, maybe that's it, right? Like, because there's close enough proximity to other places that people just... Shambana was only two hours from Chicago. It was not two hours. Wasn't it only... You are tripping. Was it? It was a... Now I feel like I got a Google I don't feel like it was three. Because I don't... I I thought it was what? It was three to St. Louis, wasn't it? It was only like two to Chicago. That doesn't feel correct. I feel like Chicago was further. I mean, you got to kind of drive no matter what. I mean, yes, but... But it's not like so much further that that's not a reasonable comparison. Is it though? Hold on. <laughs> no, no, this is the fascinating. This is called Googling. <laughs> it's Googling. Google Maps oh, on snap. air. Why did it feel so much further? Because I was right, is what you're saying. <laughs> it is It is from here to Kansas City. It is two hours. So, so I was St. right. St. Louis is actually closer than. Yo, peep that she still huh? can't just say I was right. I did, didn't I? No. You gave an analogy. Hmm. Just say the words. <laughs> Not playing. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> I don't know. You guys have no idea how hard that was for her. I hope. <laughs> That's not true. I can admit when I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Black History Month. <laughs> Woo. 
I hope this month we could do more. I want us to definitely, like you said, have the kids read more. And I also think being intentional about creating safe black spaces to be in because, you know, the work is never done and it's important to take care of ourselves. And I think for me, a lot of that is having safe spaces, having black spaces to be blackity black black. That's real. So uh, I think that's a great place to stop. Okay. We're gonna, are we going to keep doing this? We're going to like all month? Yeah, we should. Yeah. All black everything. That's... All black everything. <laughs> and we'll catch you next time on the Parents and Professors Podcast. Purse. <laughs>